This is Inside OU with... You hear the, the roofs here in Memorial Stadium. They love this youngster. On the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to part two of yesterday's edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is Brady Trantham. And like I said yesterday on the pod with uh, John Hoover... Uh, Rufus Alexander wasn't able to meet up with us yesterday. Um, he had some prior business arrangements that he had to take care of. So rest assured, I told you guys I'd get you um, some Rufus Alexander. So I'm sitting right across uh, his desk from him. And uh, Rufus, uh, everybody is, you know, cautiously excited about this team. You know, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, because the defense has at least played with a level of consistency that we probably haven't seen in some time. Even though if you just go back to last year, the defense performed really well against FAU and UCLA and then against the um, Army. That's when it kind of everything started to turn. But um, just some really quick raw thoughts because we went over South Dakota yesterday and we'll get into some South Dakota analysis with you, of course, on some specifics. But just overall your thoughts on the defense because everybody knows your experience and your uh, your expertise when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Well, when you look at the way they played in the beginning, they <clears throat> they they started off really good. They started off, I mean, the whole entire game played consistently. The starting guys that were in there, they made tackles. They, I mean, got them on the ground, got turnovers, did everything they wanted. They were supposed to do what you want them to do to uh, a South Dakota. I mean, that was just. I mean, you expect that this that FCS school, so they were bigger, faster, stronger, and they did everything they were supposed to do. They smother them at the at the at the line of scrimmage. They tackled them on the run. I mean, they barely had any offense going in the first half. So, I mean, kudos. Um, they look good. You beat on a lesser opponent. You're supposed to look good. So. I'm I'm fine with the way the defense played. They shut it, the first unit shut them out, and that's what I was more. Um, that's what I appreciate about the whole thing. They shut down the first unit. I mean, we haven't had a a true shutout like that in a while. The way they played, so that's pretty good for them. Um, the second and third unit, they have to they have to get better. Um, that's that what they started to do in that in the, what the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter is unacceptable. And they have to get better as a young unit, but it's a good learning experience. They got out there and got to play in front of, um, I mean, I guess a good crowd because, I mean, OU, for a small school, for playing against an FCS school, they and they weathered the heat and came out there and pretty much had a good, nice showing for the, for the opponent that they were playing against. Yeah, and that actually that's kind of a good little segue into what I want. I was excited to ask you because I talked about it with John yesterday, and uh, he 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 agreed with me. But I'm just curious from your perspective um, because we were talking about um, guys like Creed Humphrey, who um, in John's opinion, now again, I didn't get to watch the game. I watched the condensed version on YouTube, but at the time I was I was traveling, so I had to listen to it on the radio, so I didn't get all these little details at the time, but. Um, John was telling me that guys like Creed Humphrey were getting blown off the ball in some plays. And uh, everybody knows that the, um, the problems with the left tackle position, whoever it was. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective, do you feel like OU fully respected their opponent against South Dakota? Because that, that, that can happen when you're playing an FCS school. Defense, uh, offensively, no. They didn't come out that way. Offensively, you can see the, the lack of – you know, interest in it whenever they wanted to get 10 yards, they could get 10 yards. Um, Swenson had a bad showing. Um, I mean, the he would get a chip block, and, I mean, the guy would still drive him back and he would get a holding penalty. I mean, it was always something small, dumb little penalty when they would get on a good roll and get running and stuff. Um, they're going to have to get better and get more consistency, more consistent and not play down to their opponent. And that comes with the leadership they need on that team. They have a lack of leadership as far as who's that gritty guy, who's that tough guy. I mean, you knew Cody Ford was your guy. Drew Samia was that guy that would that would be upset and get into everybody's butt if they wasn't getting everything together and wasn't doing it right. The year before that was Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown was their emotional leader and that guy out that guy that was out there that was literally trying to rip people's head off. Right now they don't have that guy. They don't have that guy that's like, hey man, let's stop BSing and messing around. And let's just put this team away and let's get the heck out of here. And that's, I think, is the next hurdle for them to get to. And holding each other more accountable. I mean, uh, Beanbow can, can say it and say it and say it. And, I mean, after a while, it'll start to fall on deaf ears. Uh, they need a, um, a they need a guy that's in that in, in the pack that's going to lead along with Creed Humphrey that can keep – that means you can't have a mutiny. I'll be like, like well, I don't want to listen to Creed. 
you have two guys that's on the same common ground and they're all moving towards the same goal and you can get that third guy to kind of move along with you. So right now, I just think the offensive line has a lot of work to do. Um, the left tackle is the spot that's that's really touchy right now. Um, Proctor didn't have a great game at all as well. Which is um, which is odd just because you would think as a grad transfer, he, he has it he at least has experience. Now it, it it's one thing to transfer to another school and have to learn a new system, but that's been disappointing because Swinson has the potential, Proctor has the experience, and you would think one of those two things would work kind of half acidly in these first two games, and it really hasn't. Like it's been like a, at best a grade C for me. Yeah, yeah. For for especially for a Proctor. I mean, you want you expect more out of him. Um you want to get uh, Hayes back. I think uh, Marquise Hayes is a is a little bit better is a better left guard. I mean, he played pretty well against Houston, so um, having him out there, I think, will will help out that left side a little bit more. And you just get a little battle for that left tackle position. You just kind of got to get guys settled in a little bit better. Um, I think with Hayes not playing this last game, uh, kind of set him back a little bit on their growth at the offensive line spot. Yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting that you kind of mentioned you brought up Cody Ford and Orlando Brown. They were never afraid to get into somebody's face, and they were also never afraid to um, – and I'm not trying to condone a football player punching somebody, but they were never afraid to just after the whistle was blown, like don't do that crap and then shove somebody and get a 15-yard penalty. And like that, that sucks in the moment, but those guys were so good that they were going to make up for it time and time again throughout that game. And it's just – it's setting a tone. And what I was just telling you before we went on air, Rufus – that's why I didn't really mind Patrick Fields' game against Houston. Like everyone said that he had a bad game and he had some silly penalties, but some of those penalties were just trying to set a tone on the defense. And I appreciate that because OU's going to beat Houston. They're going to beat South Dakota. If you have to set a tone in those games for something like down the road, then so be it. I don't think, you know, he had that one stupid penalty, the one where he ran towards the guy and the guy kind of leaned into him and he hit that guy. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. And the one, I think he had one where he grabbed the guy that's about to run by him. But, I mean, that's something where, you know, he knew, he, he realized he messed up, take the 15-yard penalty and lift to play another down. I don't think he has had a bad a bad few games. I mean, I think um, he's been solid. Uh, he's been better than what we've had. Um, and uh, he he and Turner Yale, um, they, they play decent football. I think they, their growth is going to continue. They're going to get better. Um, Turner Yale needs to – I think come to balance a little bit more in his tackling instead of just always wanting to lunge for somebody and come to, or go down towards somebody's legs. He's big enough to where he can – he's big enough, he's stout, he's stout enough to where he can go in there and just tackle and use his body and, and make solid tackles. But for, for Patrick Fields, I don't think he's had a bad game yet. I think he's had some miscues here and there. But overall, he's been solid, and I think he's going to continue to grow. you got to understand this is his first – season at safety um, this is his first season starting at safety so there's going to be some growing pains that'll be there but I think overall he's going to get better did y'all see the second unit that came in there <laughs> I mean are you you want to sit there and you want to pick on Patrick Fields <laughs> no. did you see the second unit that came in there when they were picking him apart and getting the ball all the way down the field and scoring touchdowns I mean Grinch told the media this a few months ago during the offseason that um, like the, the safety position the depth is not where he wants it yeah. And it's it's probably going to be to a point where if um, probably not Patrick Fields, because you say solid, I say consistent. I mean, they're both essentially the same descriptor. And I mean, I agree. I, th I think Patrick Fields is probably better than uh, at least on a consistent basis, probably a little bit better than what OU has had. Like you said, it's going to come down to DTY now because the depth isn't there. DTY could probably give have a terrible game in coverage, and Grinch has no choice but to keep him out there because the depth isn't there. So he has to figure it he out. He hasn't really had a bad game in coverage. Now coming up and filling and making tackles. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that South Dakota performance looked like 2018 OU defense like, yeah. from him. And I hate to put a negative spotlight on him, but, I mean, that was the glaring weakness. Yeah, but, I mean, then you come in there, uh, Barnes come in there, he misses a tackle across the middle, diving on the ground. Um, I think Washington was back there also, and he didn't do – True freshman. Yeah, though. true freshman back there, and he didn't do so well either. So, I mean, it's – it's a. I think Washington's going to be a stud though. After a while, I mean, as he continues to grow, but for a guy like Barnes to be a guy that can't come in and give you some good second unit snaps and not make mistakes and not miss tackles shows you where the depth falls off as well because he's what third year into this into into his career at OU. He has to be better, and I've always said that about Barnes. He is a rangy, tall, 
look physically imposing safety that doesn't play up to his potential. And either it's been the injuries or whatever it is, I think he should be better. And he has to start uh, – he's have to start demanding more out of himself because he should be starting at one of those safety positions because he's a he, – if you look at his body, he is a prototypical yeah, he, he looks, safety. He looks the part. He can run, all that stuff. And all he has to do is be more consistent as a player, and he's not. Yeah, I think sadly for Robert Barnes, I mean, he, he's probably just another of the long line, line of examples that we've talked about where um, – because when he first came in, I think his – first action was probably against Ohio State on the road yep. and he had he, he had a really good showing and mainly it was just because he didn't really give anything big up on the road against a top five opponent and he like the a, potential was there he had a big hit on the sideline tweak his hamstring when he did that when yeah. he had a one hit and he had to go out and kind of mess with his growth from there I mean as he would get better he would get like a little nagging injury and yeah I, and, and I think for him he doesn't want he can't fully explode every time he fully goes out there and plays and and then he ends up playing a little reckless and then boom he twinges something yeah you know, he gets you so he plays I think on the reserve or conservative side just because he doesn't want to either pull or hurt something yeah and I mean the thing I was going to get to was and then he had two years of coaching with the previous defensive regime and that's Aye. that's uh that's not in his favor now just according to history because yeah. Jordan Thomas got worse uh Parnell uh, Motley Kerry Cooks is um track record in the secondary and <laughs> <laughs> this does not look too no, hot I, right now no, I mean Texas Tech isn't I mean they've won both their games yeah I um I don't know who they play this week but it could be a potential undefeated matchup if OU takes care of business on the road in L.A. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the Big 12 has some pretty big matchups here this week. I think they play a lot of uh, – Yeah, this is, a, this is a good week. I mean, obviously last week was all about you know, Texas LSU. Um, this week it's a little bit more of a consistent slate. And, you know, like the early, early returns, I have to say, from the Big 12, this has to be the most promising start to a season despite Texas losing to LSU. It was a competitive game. Um, Texas had a lot of opportunities, and I mean, what they had eight plays on the yeah. goal line, and they didn't score anything. Texas did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas did some um, did some good things. I mean, you we would like from the couple some field goals in those situations, or at least kick some of them. It reminded me of the Orange Bowl against Florida when OU had the ball inside the ten or the five yard line twice and came up with nothing, nothing, yeah, and lost by ten points. You look at you look at the uh, the Texas LSU game. You love the the fact that they fought throughout the whole entire game, and they I mean they talent for talent wise. I mean they matched them toe to toe. It's unfortunate they lost, and I mean I really don't care either way. Um, but you would like I'm glad you didn't see like some crazy blowout. Offensively, Texas can play with anybody, and that's it. That should alert OU as well. They went toe to toe with LSU. LSU has a very as a extremely talent talented front line and they usually have a pretty talented back end as well and texas made their back end look like they wasn't even really that good they usually have speed at safety cornerback and all that stuff there nobody really got texas this. is texas is dbu rufus yeah <laughs> you know nobody this. <laughs> got the dbu any no none of them hold the dbu title that's for sure because i mean the touchdown it went into a, a straight up shootout so that that was a a good positive thing for texas uh for lsu they got to – I mean, they come into the spread and they've always had really good athletes. So that puts an alarm up for the Alabamas as well, saying, wow, this LSU team can really move the ball around the field and throw it around the field. And, and Burrow as well, he um, – he, LSU looks like they have a quarterback with a pulse. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's finally proved something in a big game because usually that was the knock on him. He would always play down in big games because it's like he was afraid to make a mistake or whatever. He made some throws and he threaded the needle on a lot of those throws and he did a really great he did a great job. So the SEC with LSU is going to be a good nice conference, going to be a great fight all the way through. Uh Texas is going to be stiff competition for OU. I mean, they shouldn't fall that far down. Uh, I think LSU should LSU and Texas should at least swap spots. Um but LSU ends up jumping OU, who cares anyway? It's early in the year, but I don't see a problem with it, but I think uh, Texas is still a top 10 team. Yeah, I mean, that that was the good thing for the Big 12. I mean, if you're going to look at it from that perspective that Texas wasn't blown out and they fought, earned everything that they could, and it was a good competitive game. I mean, Texas can – if they're able to run the table, they're, they're still probably – they didn't ruin their playoff chances that night, so that's the good thing. But um, while we're on the Texas LSU game, I'm just curious from your perspective, Rufus, 
it's it's not that big of a I mean it's not that hot of a take I mean there's still a lot of people out there that are critical of Sam Ellinger as a as a passer and I'm certainly one of them now I'm fully aware that Sam Ellinger in Texas could go down to the Cotton Bowl and beat OU because guess what in the last three or four years how many quarterbacks that weren't actually very good at throwing the football have beaten OU I mean it's it's happened before so him beating OU isn't going to like oh see Brady you were wrong but Every time in that game, Rufus, that he had to make a big boy throw, and I'm talking about you got to stand tall in the pocket, you've got to go through your reads and your progressions, and make a you know the play is supposed to go over the middle essentially, whether it's a deep slant. It was more times than not inaccurate. It was more times than not incomplete, and he just he strikes me as a guy that he makes his bread and butter. His passes are horizontal. His bread and butter is throwing jump balls to the boundary to those two very capable, uh, talented receivers in Brendan Eagles and, uh, Brendan Eagles, excuse me. And, uh, uh, the, the other guy whose name I can't remember. Johnson. Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Um, super tall guy. And he just, he basically throws passes up for grabs for his a- athletic guys to bring down. So, you know, projecting a few weeks from now, of course, if you're defending Sam Ellinger, if you are defending Sam Ellinger, I mean, how, how do you attack a quarterback like that? How do you not make a guy who has limitations in the passing game, how do you keep him from not looking like Joe damn Montana? <laughs> I mean, what's difficult to have a, have an offense that's catered to him as well. So they got some, you got some sideline to sideline passes, some easy throws for him. Cause he can zip a, a throw from sideline to sideline. He's inaccurate in his intermediate throws Sometimes if you have to put on time with a, you'd be on time with a slant. Sometimes they're behind. Sometimes they're a little bit in front. If it's a square and sometimes if it's not wide, it's not a wide open window and the window has to, and is a real precise tight window. He may be a little bit off left or right. Um, so a guy like that, what that tells you is you have to put guys receivers tight to him, right? You got to put the cornerbacks has to play tight, play tight coverage. And you will always have an opportunity to have an opportunity because he's going to put one either behind one way too far in front. So you want to try and and have some kind of tight coverage and be in that area or make the windows very tiny for him to throw to. Um, For the guys on the outside, I mean, 50-50 balls. I mean, that's what they are. So you have to own those balls. You have to own those 50-50 balls. Um, LSU went with the approach of if I think I'm beat, I'm going to grab you and pull you down. And then we're going to go ahead and live to fight another down. Um, So even on obvious throwing downs, you want to be in a cover too where you see a guy sink back and you want a safety to be over the top so he can play top down on the route. Um, that that would be about kind of like the only things that you that you can do because sometimes, I mean, you can't, you can't teach a guy how to beat a guy with height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if a guy is 6'8", he's 6'8". I mean, if he has the ball in his hand and you're 6'1", I mean, he's just going to hold the ball up there and you can't get That's to it. That's the same rule in basketball. <laughs> yeah, so – I mean, for a guy like that, it's just the intermediate throws uh, is what you want to really kind of make hard on and make him turn the ball over as well. Um, for the guys that's going all the way on the back end, for the tall guys, you want to if you can't make the tackle, you want to bat the ball down. Um, if they catch it, you want to you want to down and you want to make them earn it all the way up the field, not a big catch and then break a tackle and then score a touchdown. That's where you know it makes Texas hard to beat when they can do those things to you instead of getting guys on the ground and finishing the play right there. Yeah, and that was the problem last year. I mean, uh, in obvious passing downs, I mean, OU probably had the right coverage, but their cornerbacks were taught to face guard. And three, two of like one of three things would happen: the pass was incomplete, which I think happened once pass on interference. a. Or pass interference because the receiver, uh, the cornerback ran into the receiver because it was an underthrown ball, which is what you're supposed to do. Or the guy caught it because it's a six foot six receiver up against a five foot nine, five foot ten cornerback, and it just it's it's a size thing. But I think the thing, for, the positive thing for OU moving fo- forward now, OU has to take care of business in LA, and they have to take care of business against Tech and Kansas. Um, yeah. Before we get there, but and also OU hasn't played anybody, but on a consistency level. Uh, with this defense, it seems like if you're going to beat a team like Texas, you have to have pressure with your, your three guys or your four guys that you're rushing, have a spy back there to watch out for Sam Langer to take off. And then I mean, de- I don't really think you need a spy to – I mean, he's not like some blazing fast person. That, I mean, that, if you that's want to true. spy somebody, you spy a blazing fast person. You should be able to drop in coverage and come up and make a tackle on him. That would be the same thing if you had a blazing fast guy and he takes off running. Yeah. I mean, now you really, the reason why you want to spy on a blazing fast guy is because he can take it the distance 
right then and there. Sam Ellinger is not a person you really want to put a spy on. Is this somebody that you, once he breaks the pocket and he breaks the line, you want to come up and make a play on him? And he doesn't do any crazy moves whenever he's out there. He's just a guy that runs straight forward. So I don't really think you need a, a spy per se if you're in the zone. Um, you have the, the defensive line need to go need to learn how to retract once they get past a certain point on them, and you'll be able you'll be fine. Yeah, um, and I guess like the point of that was I was just going to ask you uh, at least on the defensive line. Again, OU hasn't played anybody, <laughs> although Houston's offensive line was they were okay. They're but, pretty big though. Yeah, they, they were big and they had some returning experience, so it was a good performance overall. But in just two games, Rufus, I mean, this is a defensive line that has got consistent pressure doing nothing really fancy. I mean, Jalen Redmond is a monster. Ronnie Perkins, we all know what he's capable of doing. And Neville Gallimore has looked the part in two games. And, I mean, it's a good springing off point, but we've got to see it against UCLA because while UCLA is a trash football team right now, 0-2, they've still got talent. They still got guys that other big schools sure. probably wanted. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say that, otherwise I'm a fool. <laughs> sure, okay. But I mean, what 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 basically do you need to see out of this defensive line to to, to just have the, the thought of okay, you know what? They're just good this year. Like they have it. I mean, a, a good thing about it is they're getting tested again with another athletic moving quarterback. Stop giggling. Yeah. No, no, they're getting tested. I mean, the quarterback can move a little bit. As well, so I mean, they're gonna have their challenges with that as well. He's gonna try to get out of the pocket if he can. Um, Chip Kelly's gonna try to do some different kind of unique run game stuff. So the UCLA team that they're going that OU's gonna play is not gonna be the, the UCLA that they've been playing for that they've seen on film so far. I don't believe. I think they'll play better. They'll they'll give a little bit more effort because the you can save your season one or not say save it as in you being competitive, but you can turn around and have a signature win where guys start believing in the system and start believing in the coaching staff. Yeah. Chip Kelly's three and 11. Yeah. And if they beat OU, that all goes out the window. Yeah. Right now their belief in the system is not there because you go, you do bad last year. Now you're Oh, and two coming into this year, you lose to Cincinnati. Who did they lose to this past week? Um, San Diego State. San Diego State. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know if Marshall Falk was on that team. Yeah. So your <laughs> your belief in your in the team right now, your morale is very low. So you need something to, to kind of change your morale. So for Oklahoma, they got to go in and take care of business. You get up early on UCLA. I can see them caving because this is kind of the down point of it. Because now, well, dang, we were down to San Diego State and we were down to Cincinnati. How the hell are we going to beat these guys if we get down to them? I mean, Cincinnati got blown out by Ohio State. So, you know, if you go in there and you dominate from the get-go, I'm looking for a better performance from our offensive line. I think they're going to play a lot better. Um, I don't Looking at UCLA's defensive line, they're not very good. If they get constant pressure on Jalen Hurts and the left side, we're in a world of hurt because that that's going to be a bad sign. Because I've watched UCLA in their first two games. Um, I watched them, I mean, their first game against uh, Cincinnati on defense. And just to say, I'm going to shake my head and say, "Mm, it wasn't that good. So Oklahoma offensively needs to be better and needs to have a clean pocket for passing situations. Um, As far as defense goes, I mean, I think if you get pressure and you get there, I think the young quarterback, he gets rattled really easy. Uh, and once he starts feeling footsteps and getting hit a few times, he's going to throw the ball really early, um, and he's he's not going to take very many shots. You got to understand, he's been beat up these first two games. People have been getting to him and hitting him. So if you can keep on reminding him that hey, you're about to get hit a lot in this game, I think he'll speed up his clock and you'll you'll you can, he can make some mistakes. Yeah, no question. And you know it's interesting because I mean you say that if OU gets up early, uh, big early, that you can see. UCLA caving and, that, and that's and that's certainly prop that could prop more than likely happen but on last night's pod with um John I I said the opposite I I was like I could easily see OU go up 17 to nothing because we were talking about the motivate the lack of motivation and respect against South Dakota yeah um and it led to some individual uh losses in matchups here and there but I was like they could go up 17 to nothing um, really early in the first quarter and start thinking, wow, this is really pretty. Look at all those mountains. Like we're in the Rose Bowl. We're going to kick this team's ass. And then I kind of segued into, that's why I kind of appreciate Jalen Hurts having the attitude of, we ain't done shit yet. Like keep, keep, keep focused. But th- yeah. this is, th- but like you said, 
This is, um, you know, Biedenboe apparently was real pissed off, um, not at the media, but he was pissed off talking to the media yesterday because he said, we are just not good enough. And he wasn't happy about it. He hasn't been happy with his offensive line's performance. But Rufus, this is where it has to start. This is where it has to really start taking off. It and has we to need to better. see improvement. Yeah. I mean, for his offensive line, yes. Because if you look at it, I mean, Cincinnati put up 24 points on him. Uh, San Diego State put up 23. So, I mean, they their defense is playing. It's holding up enough to other teams. I mean, they're not giving up like a blade, like 50, 60 points a game. So I think they'll have their work cut out for them a little bit defensive line wise. I just think, I just don't see UCLA has a, a super talented defensive line, but now passing wise, I mean, I think on the defensive side, if they can hold, uh, continue keeping uh, Thomas Tom, Thomas Robertson under uh, under 200 yards, under 300 yards throwing. Right now, I don't think he's had a game where he's in the 200 yards throwing passing uh, range. So you keep him under the 200 yard uh, passing range. That means they're struggling passing the ball because Chip Kelly's offenses they want to get in the sideways throwing and getting the 300 yards and 350 yards, and it all comes by you have to be able to tackle in space. With uh with Chip Kelly offenses, cause he he throws a two yard route and it gets 30, 40 yards. That's you know that's real big on the passing side of it. So, I I look at this game as OU going in and taking care of business, and the um, offense have to make a clean pocket for Jalen Hurts, and defensively, they need to go ahead and keep their passing, keep them keep shutting down the pass. They're doing a really good job on the run and keep their try to keep their runner underneath 100 yards. Yeah, and like I actually heard you earlier this morning on the Dylan and Todd show on 107.7 The Franchise, and I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, how how often have you been asked this week, so what's it like playing in the Rose Bowl, and are you tired of it by now? It's Wednesday. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't have no problem telling people the Rose Bowl to me was I just didn't like the Rose Bowl. It's just, I mean, it's a big old stadium in the middle of a neighborhood. Um, I mean, it's the grand, I mean, it's, the mountains and all that stuff is beautiful, yes. But I'm just not a I'm not a fan of the Rose Bowl. I, out of all the big bowls that I've been I've been to all of them from the Orange, Fiesta, Sugar, and the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is at the bottom for me. It's the dead last one. I would yeah. go to the Cotton Bowl before I go to the Rose Bowl. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's Ooh. that's kind of where I put the Rose Bowl at. And I mean, and as a young kid, I was excited because I'd never been to Beverly Hills yeah. and all that stuff, you know. Um, I watched what was the movie, um, the uh, Julia Roberts one. Is it the Julia Roberts one? Was it um, Richard Greer? Oh, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yeah, there you there go. There you go. Is that is that Julia Roberts? Yeah, yeah, that is Julia Roberts. Yeah, Pretty Woman. I watched Pretty Woman and stuff. You know, I wanted to see <laughs> Beverly Hills and all that stuff, but um, it just it didn't do it didn't do much for me. I mean, I'm gonna need to see your DVD collection. Probably now. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> probably I couldn't afford a lot of stuff. The Perdiums, like I said, on with Todd and those guys, the Perdium didn't go very far from Beverly Hills. <laughs> so no, I was just in San Francisco for two days, and oh my god, yeah. getting like a steak salad is like nineteen dollars. Yeah, the, yikes! The per diem, How do those people live there? The per diem didn't go far at all. So Beverly Hills is Beverly Hills is nice. All that stuff, man. All it's all cool to see, but you can do all of it in the in a day and a half. Yeah. Well, I guess like the next thing I had to ask for um, for you is just basically the inherent disadvantages that you have when you go on the road, especially when you go when you have to travel far away. Now, you know, like I cover the Thunder. And like I told John last night, if the Thunder are playing the Lakers or the Clippers on the road and they have a night off before that game, at least expect a sloppy first half because LA nightlife is undefeated. Now, college football players, you, Different. You're, you're not necessarily free to go out because half these guys aren't 21 yet, so it doesn't matter, but you're not free to go have fun, roam around. It's a cur- it, bro, it's a curfew. Yeah. They're not getting, they're not going past the hotel. They're not going very far past the hotel. Yeah, but... You know, as a player who's traveled far and wide to play college football games, I mean, what what disadvantages do you think could potentially haunt OU early, especially when we're talking about a lot of guys with not a lot of experience starting and playing? Um, I just think, you know, just the long flight out there, you know, just you got the long flight, you got walkthroughs in a foreign place, you're sleeping in a different place. It'd be different if you're going and the time the time difference was a little bit earlier but you're going to california so the times later you have a little bit more time to sleep in and stuff so i wouldn't say the time part of it it plays a huge difference um but i just think the long trip is the travel is a little different you know just 
being on the plane, being in a different bed and all that stuff is always cool to have that hotel that you're always known and common to. And as the, the postal Marriott, I believe that's where they stay at now. We've been doing that for forever, but it's just so it's familiar. The fan, you know, the fans is different, but I think we probably have more fans there than nation than they will. Yeah. Did you hear about the uh, free tickets they're giving away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be, it should be nice. It, I mean, I, hopefully a lot of people go. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure OU fans will probably outnumber UCLA. Like you'll see a lot more red than blue, which is sad because I mean UCLA they're not. They I would, want, they're one of the more historic. No, I was gonna say that I wouldn't consider them a blue blood like USC is. Like SC is like they're the football program, but UCLA is still they're a name school. They're it's a helmet school. You know, you play them, yeah. you're excited to see uh, the powder blue and the gold. You're excited to see those fans. Like I was excited for them to come to Norman. Um, I met hung out and had a few drinks with a lot of UCLA people and they're awesome. But um, it, it's sad when you play programs like this, if you're an OU fan, like when FSU came to town, it was cool to kick their ass. It was fun, but it's like, man, Florida state used to be so good. Yeah. Uh, it's bad to see UCLA. Miami was the same thing. Yeah. It's bad to see UCLA in this uh, situation, but um, if I don't, I don't think if Chip Kelly don't get things going this year, I think this may be the last year for him. I don't need like if if they get destroyed by OU and um, they lose a they'll more than likely lose a few more games. He might not even finish the year. It's just been so bad, and um, this, I, I was just perusing some UCLA um, message boards um, yesterday, and the fans are not happy with him. And you see all these like oh inside info BS, which could be BS, it could be true, but there were apparently there's some players that are not happy with him. No. And I hate to say this, but Chip Play- Kelly has a reputation going back to the NFL where his locker room did not like him. And if your players are not happy happy with you, your players will let that be known to the recruits that come in to try and come to make that university better. So if the players are not happy with you, you have to get rid of those unhappy players because those unhappy players will let recruits know, man, you don't want to come here and play for him. That's how they're gonna. That's that's how they're gonna tell it, and that's what's gonna happen. And then then it makes it to where you can't get talented players to come and play for you at UCLA because your players are bad mouthing you while you're there. So Chip Kelly has a situation on his hands that I don't think he's gonna be able to survive in in UCLA. I don't think UCLA have the patience for it. So I think they got to get another coach in there. It'd be a sad day if there was like some four highly touted four star linebacker that's like, all right, I'm down to UCLA and Nebraska. What do you, what do you think? current ucla football player where should i go go to nebraska don't come to la go to the cornfields you got a better situation (laughs) with frost than you do here but i mean but the thing what's really cool about the big 12 this week they have a lot of really good big 12 matchups right so you have kansas kansas boston college which i think boston college will win because they just lost to coastal that sucks (laughs) k-state mississippi state is an interesting one because k-state's been playing really well yeah uh you know with a with a with one of a legend of a coach and uh, Coach Schneider retiring and passing on the guards and stuff, um, which K State is usually a difficult place to recruit. Um, they're they they're they're two they're two and zero right now and they're playing against Mississippi State, so that's a cool one. Um, hope if they can pull that one out, K State look out. They still they they're a team that can kind of come up and sneak up and bite yeah. you. Uh, West Virginia playing against NC State, they just got trounced by. Missouri, Missouri just worked them over after Missouri got beaten the week one, so they got to play against NC State, which NC State lost a lot of players, so that should be. They're always kind of a a solid program. Yeah, like they, they they rarely have like a terrible year. Yeah, Oklahoma State plays against Tulsa. Um, I think for Oklahoma State, this would be a good test. I think Tulsa has a decent defense, so it should be a fun game to watch. Um, yeah, OSU should win. But I think Tulsa has just possess a little bit of problems, a little bit better athletes on defense, and they play a solid, more solid brand of defense. So I'm intrigued to see that one. Iowa State, Iowa is going to be a good one. Yeah, college game day. I can't wait to see that one. Iowa State, if they can pull this one off, get themselves back into the top 20, uh, the top 20, 20 of, um, as far as the, in the country and stuff, I, I look for Iowa State to have a good showing in there. I think they had that week off. They're going to yeah. play better. TCU, Purdue. Purdue's a tough team. Yeah, they beat Ohio State last year. It really helped OU get into the playoff. Yeah, TCU's uh, Purdue. TCU got their work cut out for them. Purdue is a really solid team. They're gonna have their. It's gonna be a fun game. Texas versus Rice. I want that game is. Will they have like that that lag that that hangover that hangover yeah. from playing against an emotional game against LSU? I randomly was watching the Rice Wake Forest game uh, last Friday night. And I only watched like five minutes of it, but one play that I saw was Rice's starting quarterback. He was um, 
he just ran like a sprint option to the right on the goal line, tried to dive for the uh, pylon, and that poor dude got the linebacker just unloaded on him. And did he survive? I think he did because when he was getting carted off with his neck um, braced, um, he put up his hand. But okay. uh, he Rice, might not be playing. Yeah, Rice is probably going to be to the <laughs> backup quarter. So there's your inside Rice knowledge for the inside of the podcast. So you're saying take Texas in the points. I may take Rice <laughs> in the points because Texas did get beat up a little bit. You have a little hangover from that the one. The power of Rice compels you, Rufus. I'm Watch just saying this Texas, in that, <laughs> Texas in that emotional game, man, you'll have a little lag. I, I've been part of playing in an emotional game, and then you come that next week and just just a little bit off because he's still a little bit upset, but he's still just a little bit off. Yeah. Defensively, I think they'll play better against Rice. So, yeah, it should be a nice one, though. Oklahoma, UCLA, we already talked about that one. Texas Tech, Arizona. That one's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, DeMarco Murray, and, Comp- and friends against uh, yeah. a suddenly solid-looking Texas Tech. You know, they, yeah. Okay. And the reason why it looks good to me is because Arizona has talented players out there. I mean, their quarterback can run. He gets out of the pocket. He's fast. He's athletic. He'll be out there. They're try. They are definitely going to try to throw the ball up and down the field. Uh, Arizona will. And the way that, <laughs> the way that we've known of the coaching of the secondary here at Oklahoma, so we should see some. We should see some points in that one. That's what UCLA's quarterback is thinking right now. Is like, couldn't you guys hang on to Kerry Cooks one more year, one please? More year like, throw me a bone. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, you you look at Arizona, they, they put up 65 against NAU. Who the hell is NAU? But um, but they lose to Hawaii out there. And I, wa- I stayed up and I watched a lot of that game. Arizona's defense is horrible. They're bad. Yeah. I watched them get destroyed by Hawaii. So this is going to be a fun game because there's going to be a lot of points that is going to be scored in that one because I don't think Texas Tech defense is the greatest of defenses. But we shall see. Should be fun and interesting to watch. But the, the Big 12 have some good power five games. Yeah. Two, both teams power five. The only one that may have a layup is OSU right now with the – or the non-power five one is the one with Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah, and even Tulsa. Like, I, I thought they – yeah, they lost to Michigan State on the road, but they they had they a pretty bat- good – they had a pretty good showing. And, like, one of those touchdowns was completely and utterly fluky. Like that Michigan State store scored. Yeah, so. but I mean, Michigan State defensively, though. Whew. Did you see those jerseys they wore last week? Those are atrocious. Those are the ugliest uh, things I've ever seen. Somebody has to go. Has to go back. <laughs> they have to go back to the drawing board and let's let's rethink this. Oh, this yeah. is disgusting. Um. So, but yeah, I, I like uh, the games, the slate of games they have. I mean, in Texas Tech so far has not been tested defensively. Yeah. They played against UTEP and who was it? Uh, MT was that Montana State? I believe. Yeah, they played against Montana State. So. They gave up ten points and three points. So this is the first action they'll have against yeah. a big time, uh, uh, an opponent that may have athletes that's just as good as their athletes. So it should be a fun game to watch. But I think this week is a big test for the Big Twelve, and also plays out for Oklahoma as well as they go through the Big Twelve and how you know jockeying for position in the college football playoffs. Yeah. No, like I'm not going to sit here and tell fans like you should root for the Big 12 because there was that whole argument last week like should OU fans root for Texas or against LSU? I mean, uh, hell no, no, you shouldn't. No. But if they win, they win. No, but at the end of the day, it's like you can either you you can you can you know play it both ways. Texas wins, great. That that's better for OU in the long run. If they lose, good. You get to laugh at Texas losing and failing and looking like oh, remember how back they were for like five minutes but um no if the big 12 has good wins against mississippi state arizona like power five opponents then it's good for whoever wins this conference to you know when you're looking back and you're comparing resumes you're like man the big 12 was the best second best conference in the country so if if they have a one loss champion they probably deserve to get in all OU has to do is hold steady baby just win all your games win baby win three sec teams up at the top part of it I love the way their schedule sets up. Yeah. I love the way it sets up because you had your big test off like defensively against Houston. Mm-hmm. You had a, a game where you could hopefully try to fine tune some things against South Dakota and get a lot of guys in. Uh, you got a big road test against UCLA in terms of the, the travel and the venue. And it is a name school with some athletes. And then you get Texas Tech, who is, like we said, 
has kind of surprised some people, looked solid overall. And then you get Kansas, basically a bye week before Texas. Right, and I think if you look at it right now, too, for OSU, who doesn't play anybody, hopefully they're undefeated by the time OU plays them or has one loss to Texas or something like that because they hadn't played anybody in the non-con. Spencer Sanders is going to light up Tech DBU. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you look at Spencer Sanders. He's a good, talented uh, – the offense is going to have big numbers offensively, so it's going to look like if OU – if OU is able to shut them down and play well against them and beat OSU, that's another thing. That's another notch on their belt stopped in high-powered offense. And yada. I mean, so by that point in time in the year, with OSU scheduling, not playing a lot of people, they'll end up in the top 25 off of just the, the way they beat people if they, if they continue to roll through in the Big 12 whenever they get in the Big 12 play. But, I mean, it's all predicated on how they play against Tulsa and their defense and that they're showing against Tulsa. Yeah. Um, well, Rufus, I actually had a few questions for you before we got out of here. Um, and they're just kind of random, but, um, since OU's playing their first row game this year and because you just don't really like the Rose Bowl that much, what was other than the Rose Bowl, what was the, the boringest, the worst trip? And that, I'm not trying to ask you like, Whoa. what, what game did you guys lose on the road? Whoa. But no. what's the boringest road trip that you took as a OU football player? Baylor. It's always okay. the worst. <laughs> This Bro, is this is before um, Baylor, Texas Tech. This is before they were breaking moral and ethical laws under Art Briles. No, but this was to, back when Baylor was Baylor. Did you go to Fort Worth? I'll tell you the worst story about going to Fort Worth. Going to Baylor, right? Yeah. We go to Baylor. We're in this hotel, so we drive there. Right. Is this 04 or this is what 05. 05. Oh, that was the one in Norman. No, 06. The, 06. Okay. Maybe it may have been 06 or 04, whichever okay. one. But we drive up. We get in there. You know, you go and eat at Baylor, right? This lady, we had food laid out on the thing to eat. This lady killed a roach with her hand right by the food. <laughs> Boom. I looked at my homeboy, Zach. I saw the roach, and she killed it right when I saw it. And she slid it out off the table and put her hand behind her back. I put my plate down, and I literally just walked off. I'd be like, I want to go home. <laughs> I grabbed a bowl of cereal, Frosted Flakes, and a carton of milk because both those things were closed. <laughs> and a banana that I cut up and ate a banana and Frosted Flakes and cereal and milk in my hotel room. That's what I ate both days. Mm. Yeah, I, that's because that morning I did not trust the eggs or any. I did not trust anything that was cooked at that hotel. The lady literally killed it with her. She killed the roach with her hand. Boom, right down the table. Old wacko Texas. Man. And I looked at, <laughs> I'm telling you, my fr- uh, Zach Latimer was the back, the person behind me in line. Yeah. And that one by far, I was like, I looked at Zach. I said, did you just see that? They didn't kill that thing with a killer bolt in their hand. I think guys went and got fried chicken or something, uh, calling food and stuff. Yeah. Uh, set the guys behind. They didn't eat. Uh, and the other place got to be Lubbock. Lubbock's the butthole of America. Um, yeah, you were in the unfortunate game that yeah. I don't really like remembering. Yeah, but we go into, and the one time we go into that hotel, you know how you can rent movies? Players, we got to rent movies every night. We... We all renting movies, and the movie thing is locked up. We can't rent any movies. It was a hole in the ceiling, and it was raining. So when you walk into the hotel, it had a personal waterfall in the hotel. And it's Lubbock, so it's raining dirt, too. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about a literal rain. Like, you can see the hole through the ceiling coming down. It's raining down in the hotel. And it had, like, a black torp that was, like, down from the top to the bottom, so it kind of funneled the water where it wanted it to go. You need to write all this down, like just like Rufus's top ten worst Dead travel is, experiences. I'm telling you, Texas Tech, <laughs> Texas Tech is just the worst place to uh, ever go. Um, the, fun place, fun fun college place. Yeah, it's it's a it's a interesting atmosphere to say the least. Tortillas and batteries are flying all over the place. Yeah. But anyway, but anyway, um, I'm just curious. Are you at all? Have you ever kept in touch or met up with? Um, I don't know. Later on in life, with anybody that you played against UCLA. Uh, Maurice Jones Drew. I ran into uh, Maurice Jones Drew, uh, as well as Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are we were kind of part of that same one. You know, we kind of laughed about you know playing playing against each other in the Rose Bowl and stuff. But they won. They had the upper hand. Maurice Jones Drew is a cool dude, quiet dude. He was real cool. Um, I mean, but he shaped like a little bowling ball. But, uh, but man, that's that's probably the only guy, only two guys I really met. And talk to after you know yeah. against UCLA. So you're not in contact with any of them like now, every once in a while. No, yeah. no, not now. When I was in the league, I kind of ran into Maurice Jones, Drew, and Mercedes Lewis. Because mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just curious um, how they it, feel. Well, n- <laughs> not not how they feel. 
but just, is there just a part of you like that sooner, like deep down inside of you, that's just like, go beat this team's ass. Yeah. Go, go, go beat the, like, I, I don't want that. Like the last memory of you in the Rose bowl against UCLA or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm just not, I mean, I just want OU to win no matter whoever it is, UCLA, Boise State, I don't care who it is. The one that I really want them to win every year is Texas and OSU. Um, but the other ones, you know, I just cheer them on and would just love for them to go out there and win. Um, I hold no grudges on on any team. Even Oregon, I don't hold a grudge on Oregon. I don't even hold a grudge on Boise State. I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't hold a grudge on Boise State. I mean, it was some wonderful play calling by the, on their part. And stuff. Oh, no, not Boise State. Screw them, Oregon. No, yeah. They can uh, – they I mean, can, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with them, man. That guy just I don't was cheating care. up there, man. I don't care. That was the worst I've ever been treated. That is the worst I've ever been treated uh, um, and at a road fa- game. their fans treated you bad? They were awful. They were <laughs> terrible. Like, I'm not kidding. I've been to Lubbock, and it's like, yeah, like, there are some Texas Tech fans. There's a bunch of tree huggers up there. They're supposed to be very nice That's what I people. thought. That's what Maybe oh, that's why it was people. so shocking. Like, uh, my dad and I, like I told you, like, on the first episode that we did when we talked about the Oregon game, uh, my dad and I were sitting at the 30-yard line, which ended up being right in front of the onside kick, and which is, you know, like season ticket city for Oregon fans. And when they saw two OU fans sitting there, oh. the guys behind us were really cool. Um, because as soon as the field goal got blocked, I kind of fell down into my, you know, head in my hands and they put their arms on my shoulders. Like, it's all right, man. It was a great game. And, but this dude in front of us was a son of a bitch. He was so rude to my dad and I. And then when we left the same, we actually found out that we were sitting around Jason White because he was walking out with us. And then I talked to him like all the way to the gate. So that was kind of cool. And he signed my hat as a 15 year old. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we got onto the, you know, out on the street outside the main road, it's like every single Oregon student drove by us and flipped us off. They like one guy threw like a soda at my dad, um, just yelling, yelling so much terrible stuff at us. And I've so, never been treated like that before. Super, you're talking about super liberal Oregon. Yeah. You know? Well, it was the first time they had ever beaten OU in like what seven or eight tries that OU oh, and Oregon man. had played. Oregon and is just. It was in like dramatic cheating fashion. Yeah. So they, they didn't really know how to handle themselves. I don't themselves. understand like why are you flipping somebody off after you done one. What is the purpose exactly. of it? That's like, when everyone's supposed to be nice. Like, man, that was such a great such game. A great game. <laughs> it was fun up and down. It was so intense. Man, it was great awesome yeah you see you can't you see people can't handle success right like right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah and we came yeah. back in what we beat them a little, the year after that no that was my last that was the last time that was the last time they played um oregon hasn't i they, guess they didn't like us because we beat them in the holiday bowl yep we beat them in the holiday bowl the year before yeah that, that was that dennis was, dixon and all those guys yeah brady leaf randomly throws the game clinching interception to cleaning room <laughs> yeah then you had who what? was the jonathan stewart was the uh jonathan running back running back. jonathan stewart versus adrian peterson that was fun to that watch was, he was a beast too yeah jonathan stewart was a big running back um i don't want nata was the defensive there's line. so much nfl talent <laughs> on those in those games Lodi nata was the freaking dude was the personal protector on punt I know. Who was the center? Because John Cooper had already torn his ACL. In, in no, he Lubbock, broke his ankle. Or broke his ankle, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, who was, was it Messner? Messner was their left tackle. It was, wasn't J.D. Quinn. Who the hell was the center? It was Chris uh, Chester, I believe. Or Chris Bush. Chris Bush. Okay, yeah, that, sound, that sounds familiar. So, I think it was I mean, Chris Bush. Kudos to him because, I mean, Bro. Bomar and Adrian Peterson were relatively well protected. Haloti <laughs> Nada was a he. He was the personal protector on punt team and ran down there. Yeah, I remember. That is a big man running. That's a 300-pound man running down on punt. Whoever's blocking them, good luck. I'm not touching that guy. Why the hell do they keep putting Brady Leaf in? Like, um, I think Dixon that got hurt. Oh, he got hurt in the game? Yeah. Okay. No, it wasn't uh, Brady Leaf. It was Clemens. Clemens. No, I thought it was Brian Lee's brother, Brady. Was it Brady Lee? Or yeah. Was it Clemens? I don't know. Uh, You're probably right. Yeah, it was Clemens, Brady Lee. Clemens was the was, uh, starting quarterback all year, and he had broke his ankle. Right. And he wasn't in the holiday. Right. Bowl. He played in Norman the year Norman prior. Norman year, the yeah. year back. Yeah, it was Brady Lee. You're right. Yeah, I, I I just remember like Oregon fans just screaming about like the night before the 06 game, they were still complaining about like, why the hell was Brady Lee in the game? That's why we lost. And I was like, eh, well, you know, that happens. I think I'd, I'd hit... I'd hit Dixon on one, and I think he had got up kind of limp, limping on one of the the, hot, the shots that he had. So he wasn't like uh, – he got hurt a little bit. 
Well, I don't like when players get hurt, but good job, Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Rufus, thank you once again for jumping on your podcast, of course. And uh, I want to give you w- another chance to uh, pump the fifth quarter because you were trying to get a thousand fa- um, followers yeah. on Twitter. I think you did. So yeah, congrats. trying to get to a thousand followers and even more as much as we can uh, just trying to get information out to fans and stuff just kind of give an an intimate perspective on it uh, on OU football Um, another thing about it is uh, like I said it's a messenger situation so if you message me I will be I'm that person that contacts you if you want to know something about the game at that point in time Uh, if I'm around my phone I would definitely get back to you and let you know I mean I pretty much answer all OU questions anyway I don't start asking me to break down anything Texas or anybody else is doing. I'm gonna I'm do like the dude did what uh, Lawrence did to the dude with the uh, New York Giants jersey on. I'm gonna be like, get the right jersey, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Good stuff, Rufus. Um, thank you once again. But um, everybody, thank you guys so much for listening to part two of the Inside OU podcast. Um, Rufus is uh, he just turned his mic off. But you're going to L.A., right? No, you're not going to L.A. Thank God. <laughs> oh man, you. Probably the one of the first people in Oklahoma to ever say that. So, but you've been go. there before. I've been there before. I don't want to go. I don't, <laughs> I'm not that rich to go to L.A. <laughs> yeah. uh, Even if I was, I don't want to go. Same here. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Rufus, um, for jumping on the podcast. Um, we will have more content, of course, coming in the next few days, more than likely. Uh, we might uh, put out a little pregame show or something. John's not going to be in LA as well. He's going to be covering OSU and Tulsa in Tulsa. So he doesn't have to travel far for that game. So good job for him. But everybody, thank you for listening to the Inside OU Podcast. For Mr. Rufus Alexander, this is Brady Trantham, and y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at BradyDoesSports. Listen to John Hoover weekdays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.